Father, we have so much, so many testimonies tonight to just say thank you for your goodness and your love. Lord, we're thankful for the times when we can see it. And we're thankful, Lord, that even when we cannot see your goodness and and things working the way that we would hope and pray that they would, that we can know you're still in charge and you're still working your way and your will. We're glad you know what is best. And we're glad that you love us and care for us. And Lord, so many testimonies tonight of your goodness and faithfulness. We praise you for being good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the front. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And so, uh, we come here to the fruit of the Spirit, and for the last three Sunday nights, uh, we've been uh, going over this, and the first three, love, joy, and peace. And again, this is not necessarily a strong biblical division, it's just one for our lesson, and to help us understand the place that these things have in our life, is God changing us. It's making us who and what we need to be to be servants of the Lord. We've got to have love, joy, and peace. If you don't have things settled in your own heart and soul, if you're not established there, you're not going to be able to reach out and help anyone else. Uh, that's I've always wondered this thing about people who believe they can lose their salvation. How do they witness to someone else if they're still worried about their own salvation? Uh, how, how do you tell people, well, you believe in Jesus. I mean, if my salvation were something that was my responsibility to keep, I, I think every waking moment would not be sufficient to apply to the situation at hand. Amen? That's how serious the issue of salvation is. And yet, Jesus settled that. And if the Holy Spirit works in our life, if the Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit ought to do, He's going to produce fruit. The fruit belongs to Him, not to us. Love, joy, peace. Once we get those established, then the next three are long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. I mean, that's how we reach out to other people. I'll tell you what, I love to be around patient people. But it's hard to be patient around other people, isn't it? Long-suffering, gentleness, and though this isn't always included in the idea, but the, the idea of being the gentleman, of being high-born, not common, not coarse. And the gentleman in England, the English gentleman, the lord of the estate, his responsibility was to provide for everyone else around him. You know, if we just adopted that attitude, 
And like I said, this isn't a strong biblical connection here, but it does help us to see how this thing called gentleness ought to work. Living for others' benefit. Is that not love thy neighbor as thyself? And goodness. Oh, we could all use just a little more goodness. Amen. And again, it's the Holy Spirit who produces these things, not us. And the idea also of fruit, whose seed is in itself, it's the fact that the fruit produces more fruit. And this is what we really want. And then these last three. You say, well, wait a minute. If I've got my relationship with God right, and I'm reaching out and helping others, what, what more do I need? Well, God hasn't called us to mediocrity, my friend. He has called us to excellence. You know, that's one thing that we have to be careful of in the Christian faith. I mean, the world believes in excellence. I mean, I, I, I'm, I hate rock music. I, I just despise it. But I'll tell you what, I wish some of our Christian artists and, and people who perform music would put half as much effort into making godly music as those wicked people do into making wicked music. You know what I'm saying? Did I say that right? I think I did. Okay. There, there is a faith, a meekness, and a temperance that will take our Christianity beyond the level of the normal to where it ought to be. I mean, this morning I preached on, but we see Jesus. How many of you would like people to see Jesus in you? Well, that's where these three come in. Not going to happen if you don't have these three fruits. And remember, they are fruits of the Holy Spirit. That it is what the Spirit produces. Now, if the fruit of the Spirit is faith, that means the Holy Spirit is living in you and you are saved. So this is not talking about saving faith. But shouldn't we have more faith than just for our salvation? Amen? Uh, shouldn't we have faith in every part of our life? Um, I'm trying to remember whether it's in Romans or James, but I'll just quote the verse. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. So, guess what? Going to work tomorrow morning ought to be by faith. Putting up with your boss, especially Stephen. By faith. Amen? I want to see your notes at the end of the service here. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, ladies, if you're home taking care of little children, guess what? That is not mundane work. By faith. How are we going to truly affect? I mean, I hear this, we need to train the next generation and we need to do this. 
How are we going to affect the next generation? If they don't see us living by faith, they're going to have to start all over again and work through this thing to get there. I think one of the biggest reasons why second generation Christians drop out is because first generation Christians don't go all the way. They really don't put it all on the line. They take a little here and, you know, people have often commented about our family, you know, you're, you're, you're just crazy. How do you do that? Well, we don't do that. How do you take care of 12 children? Uh, one at a time, amen? Uh, but how, how do you afford it? I don't afford it. I mean, what was the figure? I can't even remember. I think to take a child in New York City from birth to college graduation is supposed to cost about $240,000. And you start multiplying that by 12, I think I'm the richest guy that you'll ever meet. Amen? No, it doesn't take money. It takes faith. The Holy Spirit has to produce living faith for you to live according to God's Word. It's not an accident. Life doesn't just happen. You've got to make choices. You've got to make choices today and ask God to determine what's going to happen tomorrow. Galatians 2.20 Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, I live by the faith. What's that next word? Of. Of is the next word. Let's, let's turn there. Let's get it. You should only have to turn a page or two in your Bible. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That little word of is important. Who does the faith belong to? If it's the faith of the Son of God, then that means that the faith belongs to the Son of God. How am I going to get that faith in my life? Uh, fruit of the Spirit. Amen? It doesn't belong to you. I don't remember who I was joking with, but somebody was saying... Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, boring. And I, I remember Joy, uh, I was talking with somebody about the taunts that Julia and I used to get when we were dating. Her brother's sisters would come up, boring, boring. I'll tell you, my life's been an awful lot of things, but boring I don't think makes it into the book. Listen. You have to surrender to God. This faith, what, what is faith in essence? 
Believing God's word to the point of obedience. Is that, that, that's the working definition of faith. Well, you can't do that on your own. I'm not a Calvinist, but I will tell you this. I needed the help of God to get saved. Amen? It's as we surrender to the Word of God, you know, all you need to know to get saved is that I'm a sinner. I can't pay for it myself. God will accept Jesus' payment for me, and I will trust Jesus. That's what salvation is, is it not? But man complicates it. He says, well, you can trust Jesus, but you've got to keep it by doing good works. Nope, that's not salvation. Well, you know, um, fill in the blanks. But faith is surrender to God. It's letting the Holy Spirit produce faith in my life that makes me obedient to God's Word. Start where you are. Let the Holy Spirit... By the way, if you don't have these other things first, you're never going to get this kind of faith. Because you don't have a platform to support it. God doesn't do fabulous, incredible, wonderful things in the lives of people who can't handle it. Do you know that God's blessings could kill you? If you're not prepared to handle them, there are many people who have thought that they had all these blessings from God and got looking at themselves and stopped looking at God and destroyed their lives. You see, you've got to have Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Now you have a platform to build faith on. And guess what? You're not eight years old, as I was, trying to learn how to pedal a bicycle for the first time. Yay! I did it! I did it! So often, that's what we do and run right into a tree. It was a fence post for me, not a tree. But... This kind of faith is learning to walk with God through life. It is real Christianity. And I want to challenge you. A lot of people never get there. Because they won't let the Spirit produce the other things first. When we start really walking by faith, this kind of faith that belongs to the Holy Spirit that God is growing through our life, then we can experience this next one, meekness. And we've been over this time and time again, but it doesn't hurt to be reminded, meekness is not weakness. Meekest man in the Bible. Who remembers? Moses. The one that parted the Red Sea? That was meekness. The one that stuck his finger in Pharaoh's face and said, let my people go. Meekness. The one that said, well, Dathan and Abiram, that if you die a natural death, then God hasn't sent me. But if God does a new thing and the earth opens up and swallows you right into hell alive, meekness. 
You say, wait, wait a minute there. How is that meekness? Did Moses do that of his own accord? Was Moses looking at Moses? I'll tell you when Moses lost his meekness. Numbers chapter 20. He smote the rock twice. And he lost out on the blessings of the promised land. That's when Moses lost his meekness. You know why? Because he stopped looking at God. And he started looking at the problem. And all them troublemakers out there. I mean, how many times does God have to provide water for you to understand that God will provide water? Well, does it make you any less thirsty this time? I mean, let's be real. We don't go around looking for problems. But the Bible does say rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations. When's the last time you rejoiced? You haven't got there yet. Okay, well, let's back up and let's start building this foundation. Because this kind of meekness allows me to trust God no matter what. It's like super faith. But I'll tell you what, if you touch it and you're not prepared to handle it, it will hurt you. You know, we all, we don't have time for this message this morning, this evening, but the Bible, there's, there's a reason why the Bible says that we're not to think highly of ourselves. Because that's what we all do. This meekness is thinking highly of God. It's not thinking of ourselves. God had to remind Samuel, after all those years of serving him, Hey, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. Don't you know that all those things that you did were because of me? He said, you ought to be upset that they've rejected me. There's no room for you in this equation. It's not about you, Samuel. Samuel was a powerful man. Meekness. Tell you what, the moment you think you have it, you just lost it. Meekness is one of those things that you can't put your hands on. You can't ascribe to yourself. You've got to be so wrapped up in Jesus that you lose track of everything else. That's when the Holy Spirit opens the door to meekness. Then we come to temperance. wonder why it's the last one. Uh, because it's the most difficult one. Because it's the thing that we need more than anything. The practice or habit of restraining, restraining oneself in provocation, passion, desire, etc. Rational self-restraint. One of the four cardinal virtues. This is the Oxford English Dictionary. 
self-restraint and moderation in action of any kind in the expression of opinion, etc., suppression of any tendency to passionate action in early use, especially self-control, restraint, or forbearance when provoked to anger or impatience. Does that sound like the death of self to you? You know, I've been preaching a whole series on Sunday morning before Easter, ending on Easter Sunday, about the death of self. Temperance. You get there. I mean, the coffin is, is closed. The body is inside. But... Temperance is one of those things that only the Holy Spirit of God can give you. I mean, we all like to think ourselves well-balanced and doing well and all of these things. And it's just simply, honestly, not true most of the time. Temperance. It's what allows a person to endure, provocation is the word they use, hardness is the word Paul uses in 2 Timothy chapter 2, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Uh, tribulation is the word Jesus said, you're going to have to endure tribulation if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, temperance is what makes it work. I like the story of the, what is it, the carrot, the egg, and the coffee. You take a carrot and put it in boiling water, what happens to it? Turns to mush. Gets all soft and squishy. It's a good way to make baby food. You take an egg and you put it in boiling water, and what happens? It becomes unfragile. It becomes hard. You can drop a boiled egg on the table and not have to worry about cleaning up the mess. But you put some nice ground up coffee beans in the water. And you boil them the right amount of time and what do you get? Something will keep you awake during church. Amen? You know, God wants us not to become a part of the society in which we live, not to make friends with the world, not to become part of the world. Nor does He want us over here sitting in our ivory towers, looking down at the world, cursing the darkness and all the problems that the world has. He wants us living for him in a dark world affecting those that are around us. You know what? You can't win a city to the Lord, but you can win a soul. Just get that next one. Just be there and let God do his work. You know, against these things there is no law. No one will ever make a law 
against these things. Because it is the most excellent living a human being can do to have these things in your life. Amen? But they don't come from you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit will work because He's there. The Bible says so. You don't have to pray through to get the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do something to get the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is get saved. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is there. If the Holy Spirit is growing, if He's producing in your life, you're going to get these things. Love, joy, peace. Now, my hand's the first one up. I could, how many of you could use a little more love, joy, and peace? Then we have long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Faith, meekness, and temperance. I believe these last three are what Paul was talking about in seeking the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Of being able to walk by faith and not by sight. Of being able to trust God so much that I'm not worried when things aren't the right way. And being able to endure all of the things of this life and still have a testimony of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Tell you what, we, we need the fruit of the Spirit. But the Spirit has to produce it. You know what? Fruit doesn't show up on a tree in a week. It takes time for that little blossom to germinate and then the, the fruit begins to form and then it's there in, in its unripened and uncolored state and then it begins to get its color and fullness. And it's still not done until it reaches full ripeness. still remember going out as a little boy and feeling the peaches. My dad was very careful and taught me how to do that so that you wouldn't bruise them. But you can feel when they're firm and then it's just like almost magic. They just start, they don't get mushy. They just start to soften. Then it's time to pick them. And each peach is capable of producing an entire another tree. Tell you what, I like this thing called fruit. We need it. We need to let the Holy Spirit produce it in our lives. Because you can quench the Spirit. The Bible's very clear. You can lose the fruit. It doesn't take much. But we need the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that you put within our hearts a desire that the Holy Spirit could produce fruit in us that would abound and that would fade not away. 
A fruit that would remain in changed lives. And in the testimony of the goodness of the Spirit of Almighty God. Lord, we ask that you would help us to consecrate ourselves to seeing your fruit produced in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll give you an opportunity just to pray there at your seat or slip out. Come to the altar and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight. But if you'd like to pray and just say, Lord, I want those things in my life. 